You're listening to episode 32 of the Musicpreneur Mindset Podcast. Hey, we're Sub Radio. You're listening to the Musicpreneur Mindset Podcast. Here's your host, Suze, founder of the Rockstar Advocate. Hey there. You're listening to episode 32, Musicpreneur Spotlight, Cheryl B. Engelhart. I'm your host, Suze, a mindset coach to help musicpreneurs build sustainable careers in music. I help them set clear goals and create time management systems that enable them to find greater happiness with a better work-life balance. Today's guest is a very good friend of mine and someone you may have seen me collaborate with in the past. If you attend music conferences, there's a very good chance that we've been on a panel or two together. If you're having trouble placing us, we were likely the two very talkative females on the panel, interrupting some of the industry veterans. Cheryl is an accomplished singer-songwriter and composer with over 40 placements in TV, film, and commercials. Like me, she's also a coach for musicians. However, while I focus on mindset, time management, and work-life balance, Cheryl's focus is on email marketing, branding, and pitching your content. Basically, if it's about communicating with your audience, she's your go-to. I've posted her long list of helpful resources as both a musician and a coach in the show notes, so be sure to check them out. She sat down with me the other day to discuss how she balances being a musician and a coach for other musicians and how you can learn to do the same. We cover a lot, so without further ado, let's dig in. Welcome back, everybody. We've got Cheryl B. Engelhart on the other line here, and we are going to have a really great discussion. I'll save all the surprises uh, and let them unfold naturally. But I can tell you right now, it's going to be an amazing discussion. And Cheryl, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so um, I gave all of our listeners a bit of background about you and what a badass you are. But I would like you to tell us a little bit of your background as a musician, kind of walk us through your journey in the music industry world. Sure. So it all started when I was two. Or tuning out. Right there. Um, <laughs> yeah. I played the piano, little like classical cheeky poo. And then um, I was kind of a ham in middle school and high school, got into musical theater and, you know, singing groups and things like that. And it was always sort of a hobby. And I, you know, I went to Cornell and I was like, I'm going to be a marine biologist and studied science and had to take all these art electives. So I took all music classes. And my advisor was like, you know, if you took like one more class, you'd be a, you could be a double major in music with with the biology and I was like okay so <laughs> that sounded cool because you know type a overachiever that nerd had, alert yeah, yeah I had plenty of time being on the crew team and musical director of an acapella group and a bouncer for my job so you know that fit right in yeah did that and then right after college I got a job scuba diving for the government doing water quality research and as one does as <laughs> and then that six months into that was great I loved it but the river we were on froze so we had a little bit of time off. And in that time, a friend of my mom's knew that I, you know, wrote music and had studied music and asked me to go to Rome, Italy with him to produce some videos for a website that he was developing, which happened to be for a fancy hotel that happened to be owned by the Vatican. So we got to live amongst the monks in, in the Spanish steppes in Rome for a month. And I just walked around with this big camera and made these little like tourist videos and then came back to my little room in the top of the tower. Very romantic, but <laughs> very lonely, but it was, it was cool. Um, and wrote music for those videos. So I never went back to the science job. I was like, this is cool. I'm making money and traveling. And so I came back and I 
started to um, figure out what I could do to make ends meet while I tried to start this career as a composer. So I became a personal trainer, which I thought would pay well, but be flexible and moved to New York City and got a job in the as a messenger at an advertising agency and learned sort of the editing side of post-production. And that led to a job at a, a music house as their tech, actually. I had an internship one summer with a recording studio, a hip-hop recording studio. So I sort of learned my way around a studio. Yeah. And then I was at this music house writing music for commercials for three years. Also recording, started recording songs, put a band together in New York, started playing out, really loved that. Started to tour on the weekends and, you know, when I could take two weeks off and, um, you know, one thing led to another. And then I was doing that full time and did the whole touring thing, did a lot of stuff in Europe, um, in Switzerland, Germany, and England in particular, in particular, and up and down the West Coast and East Coast and cross country and um, loved my band. The, the guys that I toured with are amazing human beings and they're all doing like so well. I just found out that my drummer, Mike Calabrese, is, who's also the one of the members of Lake Street Dive, um, they just got an Emmy nomination, which is awesome. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's sort of, it's sort of come circle I stopped touring about five years ago hardcore a lot of stuff happened in like a three-month period like I got married I got my first film feature film score and my dad passed away and all of those things sort of just had me not want to be in a van anymore and so I started to take a look at what I really wanted to do and I really love working with media and other songwriters and I really like that kind of partnership so um, sort of shifted over to being more of a writer and less of a singer-songwriter in the typical sense of things so that's the very large nutshell. <laughs> so you've done everything basically is what <laughs> is what we'll tell our listeners. Cheryl has done it all and very well, I might add. And so when when was that moment? I mean, you've you've been, you know, making money from your music and from your creative talents for a while now. And so was there a particular moment or point where you thought to yourself, okay, now I believe that I can, you know, be a full-time musician or I can be a full-time creative. I don't have to get another office job or work for another company if I don't want to. Was there like, did that happen organically or was there like a point in time where it hit you? Like, this is something viable that I can do. Oh no, I'm still waiting for that moment to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, I got, I got like little, little birdie pushed out of the nest thing because, you know, after three years at the jingle house, they, some of the people there the, that had been there for a very long time were like, Cheryl's touring a lot. She's got one foot out the door. And my bosses told me that I was the most productive person there. Yet there were some, you know, some of the older composers didn't like the, uh, that I was like a threat or some, whatever. So they fired me. And, you know, six months later, they called me for freelance work and said that they regret it, which doesn't make me feel any better. But I, I still like, I, I mean, I've said this before in podcasts, other podcasts, but I have an occupational period, meaning once a month, like clockwork. It looks really gross, but yeah. I go online and I look for other, I look for jobs. I'm like, I could be a music producer at an ad agency. I could be a executive. And I, like, it's serious. It, but the thing is just like my period, it passes. Right. It's normal. It happens to the best of us. Mm -hmm. um, Chocolate helps. It. Yeah. So yeah. I think that like, on, honestly, like the moment where I got fired was like, okay, I have to do this. Like I didn't mm. have plan B. I was teaching piano lessons, which I still do one day a week, but I was never like, all right, I'm going to go start in a music studio. I was like, no, no. Okay, cool. So here we're going to go do this freelance and we're just going to keep doing what I was doing. I mean, I was already making music. I was, you know, using my time in the studio that I had access to. And, and so I sort of had the lay of the land, but I, 
honestly, I think it might've been an earlier moment, like when I was in, in Rome and was like, yeah, I don't think I want to go back to science. I think that that was more of the, that moment of like, let's see how this goes. Yeah. <laughs> that was probably like a bigger transition moment. Cause you know, right now, if I had stayed at that job, I probably would still like a lot of things would look similar as they do now. Just not, you know, I wouldn't be working from home maybe, maybe <laughs> who knows, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, a really authentic thing to share because, you know, once you're in it and you've been doing it for, for quite some time and you've had a lot of success and you've helped so many artists with your coaching business. And I mean, you speak at all these conferences. And so for people to know that, you know, and I, and I hear this from a lot of, of people that there never comes a point where you just feel I've made it or like, this is it. Or, you know, okay, I, I can breathe easy. I think part of being an entrepreneur, part of being a business owner is that there's always that unsureness or like you said, that occupational period that like once a month or periodically you're going to feel, wow, okay, is this what I should be doing? Or even if you feel confident in it, it's this, oh, you know, it's not easy. So it's like that point of, is it worth it? You know, should I just go work for somebody else where every day they'll tell me what I need to be doing? I don't need to think about it. You know, I think that creeps up in all of us. So I think that that's a really great point to, you know, I'm glad that you share that with us because I think it's important for people to know it doesn't always go away, but ultimately your passion and love for what you do, you know, keeps it going. It's, you know, you make it happen. And, um, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So we know as entrepreneurs, and I know you and I both teach us that it's important to diversify your income streams. And so again, was that something that just happened organically or did you come to a point where, you know, you had left the jingle house and you thought to yourself, okay, I need to get a couple of different income streams coming in. Like what prompted that? Or is it just something that just happened naturally as you're, you know, a person who always has her has a lot of pots on the stove going. Yeah. I mean, it's something I look back on now that I wish I sort of knew it was a thing to do. Cause right now I look back at it. Like the first thing I did when I walked out of the building was I called my then boyfriend at the time, which who turned into my husband, who was up in Maine, eight hour drive away. And I was like, can I come over? <laughs> which is not your like thing that you would normally hear between the two of us. Cause it's not like we lived like, you know, 15 blocks from each other. And I just, you know, I spent this summer up there and I like taught a yoga class and, you know, did some, like local gigs there, but I feel like for a very long while I felt kind of lost and I was thinking just about performing. Um, luckily I had gotten into a street performing gig in Boston and that anytime I went, I would make a couple hundred dollars in a few hours. It was really awesome. Like busking, you know, I had a couple things that I, I knew if I showed up, I'd be able to turn that into income. Mm. So I started looking at like, what were those? And like, how could I get more of them? House concerts became one of those things. And then I started to think, oh, maybe I want to do freelance composing. Maybe I want to, you know, set up my own system and start doing that. And it kind of happened organically where I got, uh, you know, I just got in touch with my editor friends, people that were editing the commercials. And I would give them my CDs and say, hey, if you need any temp music to, you know, put on a track on a cut that you're working on, hopefully maybe it will stick. And that is exactly what happened. And I got some, started to get some licenses. I started talking to some other people about licenses and I was like, Oh, licensing is a thing that my music is good for. Cool. Like TV shows and commercials and commercials that I'm not scoring, but actually just giving my songs for my records to. So it started to make sense a few years in, but it took a while and I wasn't focused on like, I need to now diversify my income portfolio. Like I wasn't, <laughs> 
thinking like that. And I, if someone had told me that that was a thing, I would have been like, that sounds like a good idea. Like, let's get some actions. It was, I was very much like throwing spaghetti to the wall and like, let's see what sticks. And a lot of it was not sticking. And it was just a big waste of spaghetti. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons, honestly, that I do talk at conferences and I've put together some courses and I do some one-on-one coaching with musicians because there are a lot of really clear actions to take if you know what you want. And it, it can take years to actually get to that and know what all the options are and, or at least some of the options that are in line with what you want and what your brand is. And uh, I think I got, I started to see like my biggest shift when I first got a career coach and was like, what there's, the, I could be doing this in way less time. Right. So I just feel like, oh my God, they're like, why is this not in music programs at school? Why is this not like, why aren't music industry people talking about this? Why are record labels not talking about their programs that do like, I just, I was sort of like mind boggling that it was like this hidden thing that you have to figure it out on your own and it could take decades. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not. After two years, I was like, okay, now what? <laughs> right. So. And, and I think that's why, you know, you and I have such a similar path. I mean, aside from the fact that I didn't row or work for the government or study science or do any of those things. Um, <laughs> the, the, other than that stuff. So, yeah. So basically, except for being the exact opposite path, um, <laughs> the thing that I think, uh, you know, connects us is that we, we realize that there is a gap in the uh, education that musicians are getting and that there's, there's a lot of value to be given that isn't often given. And so, you know, I do think, you know, it's so funny. I always say like in the entrepreneur world, coaching as you've had a business coach and I've had business coaches that it's so common, but in the music industry, it's like, wait, a a business coach, like a career coach, what's that about? And it's like a taboo word. I'm like, right. Someone who can like hold you accountable to what you say you want. Oh, you don't even know what you want yet. Yeah. You have to get there first. Right. That. (laughs) And it's like, it's a, it's such a, a path that so many can do and turn into a business and, and, and help one another do, but they, they don't. And, but a stark difference between the two of us is that I'm not a musician and you are. So to that end, you know, what I see with a lot of musicians is this hesitation to be a coach because it almost feels like this scarcity out there. Like, well, if I've learned it, but I give other people the, the secret codes, then, you know, I'm making more competition for myself. I had a business partner in my former business. And one of the reasons she wanted out was because she was a musician and she felt stifled spending time helping other musicians and not helping herself. And so how do you feel as a musician who comes from a place of community? You're always somebody who leads with community and sharing your knowledge with other musicians without feeling like you're giving up a piece of who you are as a musician. You still write, you still compose, you do a bunch of other things. So where does that come from? Is that just naturally your disposition or was it a mindset shift for you? Um, honestly, it's sort of, it was, all of the things that are cool in my life showed up because someone asked me I said, yes, basically. Mm. I got asked to speak at a very small music conference in Pennsylvania and gave a talk. I think it was about like how to be an indie singer, songwriter, composer, like full-time. It was like, you know, I had been a full-time, whatever I was doing for a couple of years. In the audience was this uh, founder of Reverb Nation, Lou Playa, one of our mutual friends. Mm -hmm. He he was like, you need to put this in a book or a course or something. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, I don't have time. I'm not writing a book. What? 
what? Who wants to hear? So that sort of led me to like realizing that in my inbox, half of my emails every day were from other musicians being like, Hey, how did you get this job? Or how did you get that commercial? Or how did you get this record? Or, and I was answering a lot of the same questions. And mm. I realized that a lot of my time was going to answering these questions one-on-one. -on -one. And I was like, Oh, um, that's not the best way use of my time. Right. right. Um, so I actually went out and I was already involved with the, with a leadership program that I really love called landmark education. And I got some leadership training and coaching specifically coaching training, like 750 hours of training as a, as a career slash life coach. Really. I did that so that I could not just give advice and be like, here's what worked for me. Cause there's like a hundred different ways to go about or a thousand different ways to go about any sort of music career. And I didn't want to just say what I knew. So I really got trained in how to listen to what's blocking other people. And once I had all that training under my belt, I was like, all right, now I can, maybe I can create a course so that that answers a lot of these questions and, um, focus in on like, what's really important to me. And to me, it's really communication and knowing what you want, communicating that clearly, whether you're pitching, I have a whole thing on pitching, whether it's through email marketing, which is a complete gold mine in, in the music world right now. Um, or it always has been, we're just not tapping into it as musicians. So I sort of dork out on, on that side of things, branding website stuff. Cause I, I used to build websites. That was one of my like odd jobs in my twenties. So, you know, I sort of had this background with an eye of like, how do you represent yourself out there in the world? And when I realized that I was able to, to do this effectively and answer the questions effectively, then I really, it made more sense to sort of put together a book and an e-course and, you know, some video courses and talk more at conferences. And I was able to scale it a little bit. So I wasn't answering like one-on-one -on -one emails all the time. I could just be like, Hey, I have this, you know, I created in the key of success. You could just go to this website and like, and I had a blog and, you know, I started a podcast. So there's like a bunch of places where you can find these answers where I could give them out to multiple people. Cause I just felt like that made more sense. And then it gave me time to, to still be musical and like do things music -y. And I felt like that was really important for me to stay authentic and keep my thumb on the pulse of what's going on in the music industry. If I'm still pitching my music, then, and, and I'm doing it well and I'm getting placements, then it gives me a lot more, it gives other people, other musicians, a lot more reason to say, yeah, I want to know your pitching strategy. I would love your email templates. Like that makes a lot of sense, <laughs> you know? And right. If I had stopped that. And I really, I think like creating that stuff and like making a difference for other musicians, it's, it's all stuff I wish I could have found. Like none of it is out there in the format that I think is digestible like this. I looked and I don't create stuff that's already out there. So it sort of started as a necessity for me slash someone suggested it slash I figured might as well. Cause I wish I had this stuff when I was, you know, right. for those two years after I left the jingle house. So I think what's lacking with a lot of other musicians is that when they want to diversify their income, or, you know, teach the other skill sets they have, a lot of them start to feel like, well, then I'm just helping somebody else get ahead and I'm not helping myself get ahead. Do you feel that there's something that you have to find balance in or this is just, you just never looked at it that way? Well, I think that, well, first of all, there's definitely like the time balance. Like how much time do you want to spend doing sure. any one thing? Um, I definitely talk to a, a lot of musicians and coach a lot of musicians that are looking to increase their income who are very, very capable and very skilled and educated guitarist, keyboardist, singer, whatever, and they could be teaching. And it, I, teaching is honestly one of the, I think one of the easiest ways to increase your income, like absolutely quick. Um, honestly, like one of the reasons I keep teaching is because I have to get better at communicating something I think I already know. It's never perfect. And the better you can get at, like, I never was good at scales until I started and still, 
and wow, until I started, <laughs> I swear I haven't started drinking wine yet, Cesar, I promise. You know, not that scales are really that helpful, but it's so much help, more helpful, like walking into a band rehearsal and my virtuosic bandmates can talk about whatever key they're going to be playing in. And I can actually hang now because I'm able to like, because of, because of teaching it on a, on a much more basic level. My musician students, the, the people that are taking my courses, they, they hold me accountable. Like I, I'm constantly looking at my website and being like, all right, I am, I'm always saying your, your homepage needs to be reflecting the number one thing you want, want right now. Is my website doing that? Like mm. am I being a hypocrite? Am I like, am I, you know, following my own advice? And, you know, I do a lot of, a lot of work on my own stuff because of that and, and teaching it and talking about it at conferences and everything reminds me of like, oh yeah, that's important. <laughs> you know, we've spoken on this podcast a lot about having that, you know, the giver's gain mentality and mm -hmm. building community and really building connections and focusing on giving value and being you and just trusting in the process rather than holding it all in and feeling like, oh, I'm going to, somebody's coming after me or somebody's right behind me or, yeah. you know, all of that stuff. But I think what you just added to it, which was a great point, is that aside from just letting it go just to be healthier and happier, it also, by helping other people and by building a community in which you all support one another, you're also gaining accountability and um, checking in and like, as you said, making sure well, you know, I know these certain things to be true. Am I walking my talk? And when you teach other people, when you share your knowledge with other people, you're improving yourself in the process. And I think that's totally. something that we never really sh shown a light on it quite in that way. So I'm glad that you brought that up. What has been the most pleasant surprise? You know, a lot of us don't like uncertainty and we don't like being able to predict what's going to happen and prepare for it. So being that this has been your journey and you've taken things as it's come and you've done what felt right to you in the moment and been able to trust that, looking back and thinking about where you thought you'd be right now, what's been a real pleasant surprise? Has there been something that maybe you never thought you'd be doing and you're doing it now? <laughs> yeah, like singing with a, singing Muslim music in a church in Israel. Yeah, I mean, there's um, that. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of bananas. Um, writing a musical, you know, there are definitely things that, you know, I can go out and get. I'm very, at the same time where I'm like a, a yes, things show up because I say yes. I also like have a little bit of magic when I say something, it happens. Like I have to watch myself sometimes. Like there was one year where I was like, oh my God, it'd be so fun to go to Switzerland and like play music there. And like one of my best friends, her family has a Swiss chalet and invited me for New Year's. And then, you know, I went to MySpace Yep. That's how old I am. I went to MySpace <laughs> with singer songwriters that might want, that might be going on tour in January and see if I could tag along and boom, I'm on a tour for three weeks with the guy that opens for Elvis Costello regularly in Europe. Right. And, you know, got to know his manager His manager came and I went to Switzerland seven more times with my band paid for it, like all this stuff. So like, you know, one thing leads to another when I, when I put it, put things out there sometimes. And I think that that is, you know, it's funny because you say like, was this what I imagined when I was younger and, you know, just starting out being totally indie on my own music wise, I was very much not creating a big picture. I was like, I want a Grammy. And also I want to pay my bills this week. Like it was, it was two very extremes. And I, by the time I turned 30, cause I wanted this Grammy by 30, I 
I, I got all this anxiety and panic attacks and all these things. And I just realized that I was not acknowledging like the path I was on. I was on the path. I was doing, taking actions of someone who was up to winning a Grammy. It doesn't matter that the Grammy didn't happen. I was making records. I was touring. I was building my mailing list. I was, you know, having meetings and licensing and doing all this stuff, but I wasn't acknowledging it because I was like so concerned about paying my bills in the very, 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 very immediate future, like tomorrow. <laughs> and yeah. then I was also like looking at this goal and I wasn't looking at anything in between. And that caused a lot of, like, there was no, the lack of acknowledgement really like is such a downer. <laughs> yeah. It's so important to be able to say like, Hey, look how far I've come. Look what I've created. Um, look what I'm able to do. And I've started to get better at that and like keep redefining success so that it's fluid and not this like one, one thing when you get it, you're done kind of thing. Cause I don't, I don't think that's actually true for anyone. It's interesting that, you know, you're somebody that says yes to things and keeps an open mind and focuses on, like you said, if you think about it and you, you want it badly enough, you put it out there in the universe and you stay open to how it's going to come to you, you know, then, then things will, things will come to fruition. You know, it's all mindset, it's all perspective and it's all wanting something badly enough, willing to put in the work and staying open to how it might, you know, it's not, it's not going to present itself maybe in the exact package that you think it's going to show up in. Mm. And, but you're open to seeing what other packages come your way and finding, as you said, acknowledging, okay, this is not exactly what I thought would be, but what has presented itself? What can I find value in? with what's in front of me and, and what can I acknowledge is, is really happening for me right now that is positive rather than, oh, I didn't get that Grammy, but what, look at what I did accomplish and look at what has happened that I've made happen. Um, I think that's a really good thing for people to hear. What do you feel is stopping a lot of musicians from getting where they want to go? Do you think it's a mindset shift that needs to happen or is it just a misguided understanding of something or you know if you had to pick like one major thing to try to shake out of musicians right now who are who who don't feel that they're where they want to be i know it's kind of like a grandiose no, type I, question I <laughs> sure I, I would assert that you don't know where you want to be mm. and, and so you you may think you do but you haven't actually sat down and be like this is the lifestyle this is what i'm doing on a day-to-day -day basis the this is this is the goal that that i want to be these are the results i want to see um, because once you get clear on that, then there's just actions to take and you right. backwards. And like, if you, I mean, I actually coached a, I coached, oh my God, I coached a musician who was like, I want to win a country music award. I'm like, amazing. All right, great. We got that. Let's, let's work backwards. What do you need to have a country music award? And she's like, well, I guess I need a, a country album. I'm like, cool. All right. How many songs have you recorded? And she said zero. And I'm like, you need to hire me to figure out what's missing. Really? Right. <laughs> like, you need a song to win a song award, you know? And I, yeah. and I say that and I'm like with love because I think that that's actually really common. Like it sounds yeah. ridiculous. And like, of course, when I say it like that, and that's my job as a coach is to sort of rephrase things. So to take the blinders off, she's like, Oh my God. Like, yeah, duh. Um, but there's work to do. And if you don't know what that work is, or if you're, you're constantly hearing yourself saying, well, I don't know where to start or I'm overwhelmed by all the things like, like touring licensing, like there, yeah, there's a million different things you could be doing right now, but like, what's the one that's going to light you up? Right. And honestly, that changes. That might change every month. That might change every week. But like right now, like that's what you got to be working on, get some momentum there and it may stick around for a while. So if you don't know what you want, 
there's nothing to go after. So you're just going to be slinging the spaghetti and, yeah. you know, trying a bunch of things that you've seen other people do. Oh, they've played that venue. I should probably go try to get a gig at that venue. And you maybe don't even care. Right. Um, you think you care. And I convinced myself for a while. I was like, Oh yeah, I want, I had, you know, I had a friend that was like doing really well and getting really much bigger and, you know, opening for Maroon 5 and like doing all this stuff. And I was like, I want her career. I want her career. But that ended up not being my path. And I think that that happened for a reason. So yeah. I would just say, take a look at what it is you want and, and what's really stopping you is, and it might be some sort of little voice in your head that's telling you otherwise, that is just not reality. Yeah. And I think it comes down to, you know, giving yourself permission. We spoke about that in last week's episode. Like if you, if you peel the layers, you'll get an answer. They have an answer there for you, but they haven't acknowledged it and they haven't allowed themselves to acknowledge it or to want it um, or to act on it much like, you know, your client, you know, not recording a song, even though they want an award for it. It's <laughs> this, you know, giving yourself permission to take that action, be wrong. If you're going to be wrong, change your mind. If you change your mind, like you said, you, it might be what you want right now. And maybe in a month or so, it's not what you want. That's okay. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be what you want for the rest of your life. I think a lot of it comes down to having a super clear vision. And I think people can take a little bit more time to think on that and to reflect on that so that they know the steps they're taking is serving that purpose rather than, as you said, throwing that spaghetti to the wall. And it's like, ah, maybe something will happen. <laughs> maybe somebody will do it for me. Maybe somebody will tell me what I'm supposed to be doing every day of my career. <laughs> um, I want to thank you for giving us so many gems to think about and for sharing your experiences because I think a lot of our listeners are going to either see themselves in your story or see their future selves like where they want to be going uh, in your story and I future <laughs> exactly and so we are going to get to the rapid fire portion of this interview great and it begins brace yourself right now you have one extra hour in the day what do you do with it something outside you have an opportunity to collaborate with any artist in any way. You could go on tour, you could write a song together, you could join them on stage, like anything. Who are you collaborating with and what are you doing together? Oh, Sarah, Sarah Bareilles and I are definitely writing, performing, and um, recording an entire chick pop piano opera <laughs> i am already looking forward to when that happens great because it is now out in the universe you have stated it and i believe it will happen and i know just from knowing you that you've recently had a big ask come to fruition um but do you have a new ask that you'd like to put out there i always ask my guests uh, you know as you say with the perfect pitch and putting it out there otherwise the answer will always be no so you never know who's listening. Do you, what is a, re, a big request that you would like to make? Big request. Um, let's see. Well, I have a personal, two personal goals I'm working on this summer. And one of them has to do with the musical I'm writing. And I'm not sure anyone out there can help me write a musical. But the other one is to have a thousand musicians transform how they interact with their fans over email, which means a thousand musicians registering for my rock your email list course. So that is a request I could make because those are my two goals for the summer. 
I love it. And everybody listening, uh, links to all of Cheryl's resources that she's mentioned here in our interview today uh, are all found in the show notes. So you can go to the rockstaradvocate.com forward slash EP32, and you will find links to all of her amazing resources, including her email course. So that is there. And our last question, and maybe it will be the same answer. I don't know. The last question is every week we have an actionable for our audience to take. It's usually a downloadable worksheet that I give them. Um, but when I have a guest on, I always ask the guests, what action do you want our audience to take? What would you like them to, to do? Yeah. I, I mean, I think, yes, I, I want you to go register for Rocket Email List, <laughs> but I, I do have a free webinar um, that sort of brushes on the the sort of idea of it if you just need to wrap your head around it and shift your context and that might be a more um, happy place to start if you are you know looking for something free you could get that and it comes with downloads and worksheets and stuff like that so there's fun stuff there sweet that is also going to be found in the show notes guys just where you found find our actionables every week so again that's the rockstaradvocate.com forward slash ep32 and yeah Go take it. It's going to be jam-packed with a lot of great info. And as Cheryl said, it's a fine place to get started. If you're not sure where you want your next steps to lead you, it's a great place to start. And thank you. Thank you for joining me. I'm happy that I had the pleasure of being on your podcast. And now I've been able to, to flip the tables a little bit and have you on as my guest. So thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me and asking me questions that are fun to answer. <laughs> Cheryl always has so much to share, and I'm sure you've taken at least a few notes during this episode. If you like what you heard today, there's more where that came from. Cheryl will be joining us at the Musicpreneur Mindset Summit in September in Long Beach, New York. She will be hosting her very own workshop on email marketing, diving deep into how you can leverage your email list to create deeper relationships with your fans and move them to invest in your career. The summit, the inspiration for this very podcast, is a two and a half day event during the last weekend in September at one of Long Beach's newest hotspots, Junction, with more than 20 respected industry professionals all focused on one goal, providing you with the digestible information you can learn to apply that very weekend to your own career in a way that works for you. Imagine this podcast live on the beach with a community of experts and fellow musicpreneurs ready to support you in your journey. Each morning, we'll start the day with either a journaling or yoga exercise to get us in the proper mindset to make the most of the panels and workshops scheduled throughout the weekend. And each evening, we'll end with live music performed by our very own attendees. Can't make it live? You can join us via live stream, catching all of the classes, panels, and workshops via private Facebook group. Head on over to the show notes page to find more details, purchase tickets, and learn more about submitting to play live through Reverb Nation. I can't wait to see you there. You can also access current episodes of this podcast using your preferred app, including iTunes and Spotify, or by visiting therockstaradvocate.com forward slash podcast. Lastly, if you're looking to figure out your next steps or find time to balance everything on your plate, let's talk. As always, feel free to email me at any time, suz, S-U-Z, at therockstaradvocate.com. Until next time, Rockstar, have a wonderful week, and I hope to see you back here next week so we can get grounded to get rising. Take care.